Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish podcast, Cell Culture Media Optimization. It's about more than just high protein titer. I'm Brandi Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish, and joining me today is Dr. Adam Elhoffy. Dr. Adam Elhoffy is the Chief Scientific Officer for Essential Pharmaceuticals. He developed the core technology for their S line of products and aided in creating patents around novel use of materials. Dr. Elhoffy has over 14 years of scientific research experience in the areas of immunology, neuroscience, and oncology. Funded by both the National Institutes of Health and the Multiple Sclerosis Society as an investigator at Northwestern University Medical School. His doctoral research won him the award of the top five trainee scientists by the American Association of Immunologists. Dr. Elhoffy has 14 scientific publications in peer reviewed journals, played a variety of roles with startup biotech companies, ranging from principal investigator to director of corporate development. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Elhoffy. For decades, bioprocess engineers have spent significant resources on optimization. Can you explain to us why you think that is? That's a great question. I think one of the ideas that gets lost is that the process has never been linear. And when they first started, they cloned into a human cell line, a 293. And then after that, selected some viable clones. And then after that, they went to a Chinese hamster ovary cell. And then from that, chose clones that were active. Um, And those active clones weren't necessarily high-producing clones. And so the choice was a difficult choice in some cases where you might have had a low producer but high activity. Um, And for therapeutic purposes, activity usually is the trump card. So um, with that in mind, they had to choose the clone that had the highest therapeutic index. And by choosing that clone, a lot of times they had to then go back and figure out the puzzle that is productivity to get the highest output. The second part of it that is interesting is that unlike small molecules that are synthesized, these therapeutics come from Chinese hamster ovary cells, which are cancer cells and are literally living, breathing cells where oxygen and CO2 delivery can play a role in the optimization process. Therefore, you get some of the variability that's seen from run to run to run. To some degree, there could be some genetic variability. The cells are pushed um, to their limit. And so the biggest lever to control how this worked out was media optimization. So people started developing methods to optimize the process. And so they started by analyzing what was in the media. And so you see a variety of optimization strategies that examine what's in the media to figure out how to manipulate the cells. And as I mentioned before, with oxygenation, they found the way that the tank is stirred can have an effect because of the way that the bubbles get distributed. The actual ingredients inside of the media and their ratios can change from cell to cell. The temperature that it's run at. So there's many different aspects to optimization that are important. And a lot of that was driven because basically the cell that you chose, at least when they first started doing this, was a cell with the highest therapeutic index and not necessarily a cell that was designed to make 
the largest amount of protein. And um, it's taken some time to get to, to this point. The other aspect that was going on at the same time was that when they first started doing this, people were growing cells in serum. And by removing serum over time, the media itself fundamentally changed and there was more optimization that was required. So in the early to mid-90s, serum was removed from a lot of the media and there was a big change in the media components. And so people are still to this day, 20 years later, um, figuring out how to optimize the media. And in line with that, what do you think are some of the key technologies that work in concert with optimization right now? So the CHO cells are inherently unstable cells. And so what people have started doing is that they've started doing some site-specific engineering. And so CRISPR is one of the site-specific technologies that people have been using. Another way that people have been doing some cell line engineering is that they've been doing large-scale mutagenesis and then selecting for the clone that works the best. And so between some site-directed engineering, which may get some better glycosylation, which may be suited for better protein trafficking, or those which empirically show that you get something that's more stable. So both of those strategies have changed the way that people have approached doing optimization. Another strategy that people have done is that they've started transfecting into CHO cells. So instead of going into 293s and then going into CHO cells where you get changes in protein performance and some of the protein quality aspects, people have started cloning directly into CHO cells. So you see a big push from some of the larger companies that have some of the transfection reagents for going directly into CHO. And so there's starting to become a much different aspect and combination of optimization to try to get larger yields and to shorten the timeline that, that people have to get the product out. Right. And, you know, I know for so long we've in the industry talked about higher titers, higher titers, and it feels like lots of companies have reached significantly high titers at this point. And so my question is, with us reaching high titers, what is the advantage or the value in still further optimizing media? So there's still a lot of aspects that are variable from run to run. And, and part of that, that's because this is a living system. And so what happens when you get variability is that the protein quality change. And in some cases, there's been reports of people throwing out entire runs, which could cost millions of dollars. And so by better optimizing, you can have better control over the length of run. So you can have a better schedule on when people are going to have to be available and then when things are going to be passed on to downstream for purification and then for bottling. So the more control you have over the system, the better control you'll have over the entire process from the time the cells start growing until the time that you have a vile product. And so there's still a desire to make this more like the small molecule model where you can essentially plug and play and say, okay, we're going to start on day zero. We expect everything to go until, say, day 14, and then we're going to pass it on, and everything is perfectly scheduled. It turns out that runs don't run that perfectly still, and so there's still room just on the control side to, to optimize that. The other part is protein consistency. So there's things in the run like osmolality, once that gets fairly high or pH that can change the glycosylation profile. 
by changing the glycosylation profile, you change the efficacy of the protein. And so there's um, methods where you can work around that that can help get more consistency so that your protein quality looks the same every run. For these high titer clones that are producing three grams per liter or more, do you see a benefit in further increasing the titer? Sure. I think that with biosimilars coming to market and with multiple approaches to trying to come up with a therapeutic, I think uh, anti-TNF-alpha is a classic one where you have four or five different companies that have an anti-TNF-alpha. And so there is a push basically to lower your cost of goods. And so anytime that you can increase your titer, you have the ability to decrease your cost of goods and and therefore you have options for more competitive pricing or increasing your margin. Another way to think about it is when when do you get that bump? So if you increase your titer earlier in the run, then you have the possibility for shortening the upstream process prior to sending down to the downstream process. So there are several reasons why increasing titer is going to is still actually a a demand um, out there. The other part for competitiveness that's coming in and that's relatively changing field is from biosimilars. And so biosimilars are already here. And the part that's still changing is what the FDA's final ruling is going to be and how quickly you see biosimilars coming onto the market. And I think with the onset of biosimilars coming on, there's going to be a greater push to increasing the titer because then there's going to be more pricing pressure on on some of the existing biotherapeutics. And you have a product, a a media supplement, Cellus, and I was hoping you could describe that product and also explain um, how Cellus fits into a media optimization strategy for companies that have already achieved a desired protein titer. You bet. So Cellus is an animal component-free chemically defined media additive that has the ability to increase titer and enhance the media so that you can have more consistent control over what's going on. We've found that by utilizing CellS, you have the ability to deliver lipids um, and cholesterol in a novel um, mechanism that's unlike any of the other ones out there. Currently um, submitted that patent. That patent looks like it's going to get approved here shortly. And then there's other aspects of CellS that give it additional benefits in the way that it provides energy to the cell. And so by doing so, what we found is that CellS increases titer without increasing viable cell density. One of the approaches that people have been using recently to increase titer is by quadrupling the viable cell density, and then they double the titer. And so you get this, like we have a 100% increase in titer, but then you have four times the amount of cells. And so the byproduct of that, the FDA has started putting pressure on how much host cell protein is there. There's also significant more pressure on the downstream group to eliminate the biomass associated with that many additional cells. And so utilizing a strategy where you have cells that are more productive, that could work and benefit for the downstream processes. Um, so CellS, we found, works in that mechanism where the cells are more productive. So you get more target protein on a per-cell basis than you do with other approaches. And so 
CLS essentially is another tool to have to for media optimization where you can use it day zero and then use it as a as a feed strategy as well. And so by using it as a, in combination, depending on your clone and, and your base media, you can optimize your media for your clone. And we've seen increases in titer of 20% and greater and increases in productivity of 30% and greater. That's great. And I think that media optimization is always a really interesting topic. And I think as an industry, we're evolving. And of course, increasing titers is always very important in improving productivity. But as you mentioned earlier, things like product quality and also certainly uh, how you transfer that to downstream and, and the pressures put on downstream in terms of what uh, upstream delivers is also increasingly important. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about your thoughts about uh, media optimization and why we should all care about optimization still. And so I wanted to ask you if there's anything else that you'd like to add uh, before we, we close the podcast. Yeah, if, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about CLS, please visit our website at CLS.com. That's CLL-ESS.com. And you can select the CLS University button, um, look for posters and presentations, and we have case studies as well. I'll be giving a presentation myself at the upcoming bioprocess. And feel free to email us at shelp at essentialpharma.com, and we'll be more than happy to talk with you. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was really an interesting talk, and look forward to uh, learning more about your products in the future. Great. Thank you, Brandy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To learn more about this and other stem cell and biomanufacturing related topics, please visit www.cellculturedish.com. <laughs>